Welcome to It's Mercedes, honest conversations for freedom-minded women. I'm your host, Mercedes, founder of Libertas Sisters. In every episode, I invite a guest to discuss topics such as femininity, relationships, the culture war, self-reliance, politics, and freedom. And let's be honest, whatever else I'm in the mood for. So pop in those headphones, pour yourself a beverage, and settle in. Let's get this episode started. Today, I want to welcome Natalie Weisner. She is a writer, storyteller, and actress based out of Los Angeles, California. You caught my attention after I stumbled upon a video where you shared your story about speaking up or speaking out, depending on how you want to categorize it. So I wanted to invite you on for a conversation because I could tell from your videos and social media that you've gone through a pretty significant political shift over the last year or two, probably. And since you're in the arts and based in California, is it safe to say that you're mostly surrounded by a more left-leaning community? Yes. (laughs) I don't always want to make assumptions. I just want to like, you know. It's it's, a fair assumption. Yeah. yeah, You don't always (laughs) want to assume, but you shared with me that your political shift started just over a year ago. Mm -hmm. So how would you categorize yourself to like, who was Natalie about two years ago in the political sense? Like, were you active, invested, interested, or were you just kind of like along for the California ride? (laughs) Yeah, no, I wasn't. I would have considered myself a Democrat or a liberal. Uh, And I'm not saying this is related. The next thing I'm going to say, but I was also really uninformed. Um, I kind of just followed what was on Facebook and uh, yeah, I grew up in Southern California. I'm still in Southern California. I, I had been in theater for like 16 years. So that was kind of just what I was around. And I wouldn't say that I was, I would get worked up over stuff, but it was just kind of like the stuff you were told to get worked up over, you know, and I didn't really do any research at all. I'm both more politically aware and active and informed than I've ever been. Did you have a perception, like, I always wonder this, and I I think it's something that we all kind of like struggle with of creating a character of the other, you know? And so when you're in Mm. California or any of us or in any kind of bubble, then you also have a perception of like the opposite of you. Mm. And so did you experience that? Um, I think so in a way. Uh, Yes. Although I like to think I've always been sore. I, I pride myself on being what I feel is nuanced. Um, of course I judge as we all do, but I, I try not to do that. And I think one of the reasons I maybe was able to do that is that, um, my parents are Republicans and my dad voted for Trump in 2016 when I, uh, drove like a hundred miles round trip to vote for Clinton because I was still registered in a different County. And so even though I really disagreed with him, um, uh, all this rhetoric around Trump supporters and Republicans and, you know, old white men. I knew that it was wrong in at least some ways because my dad is not that. I mean, he is an older white gentleman, but he's not what they say about Trump supporters. So I was able to hold that thought in my mind. <laughs> um, and then obviously, you know, after I shifted, I, I realized for sure it's 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 not true. This is not it's not as black and white as all this. So. I'm grateful for that. And I still, I think I'm in a unique position because I, 
even though I can be harsh sometimes on my social media, I guess, even though I try not to be, I think you're, I more, you're have- definitely direct. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> categorize you as harsh. And I think directness is, is a good trait. Yes. You know what I mean? Especially in this environment where we're all kind of being doing personal attacks or being afraid to speak up. It just seems yes. like we're kind of like in these extremes. So people appreciate directness. And when I, when I make po and again, none of this is like, I think I'm going to make money or gain, like, I don't know how you make money being a <laughs> someone who speaks unpopular opinions, but this, so this is not for that, but I, I gain more traffic or interaction when I am direct is what I found as opposed to like, Oh, well this and this, and I believe all things. Um, but no, so my point I was getting at is that I don't have this opinion to be clear of like Democrats now because I was one. So I've been on both sides. I don't even really know what I am now, but I know that just by virtue of self-preservation, like I had to leave the left and it it started before 2020. Um, I think it was a long time coming and then it, it happened gradually and then very quickly. Uh, but it wasn't like something that, oh, I was on a forum and I got like red pilled or something, or I was looking to or have you a were purpose. radicalized or yes. anything like that. Yeah. yeah. It was just like my life. I, I think a lot of us on both sides are kind of finding ourselves in like this political homelessness mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily, I'm not a big fan of the Republican party either, right. even though yeah. that's where I've kind of always, you know, been or identified with for yeah. a long time. But you mentioned that, um, you were, you know, you're in California, you're in the arts, you went to school for acting and everything. I watched some of your videos and I saw that you have been acting, but you weren't acting recently. Was that just like life situations or was it because you felt as an outsider within that community? It was both. Um, I think I've shared this in a video and I've spoken about it with my family members. Um, Part of it is that my family struggles financially and uh, I've, I've helped out my parents some, and that was before 2020. And frankly, uh, it's uh, the foundation for a lot of my feelings around the response to COVID because uh, I've seen how it harms uh, people who were already struggling, which are oftentimes the very people that we're allegedly trying to protect in all of this. Um, so it was that because I kind of just got into this rut of working uh at a restaurant and like never requesting off and all of that. And secondly, I think this goes back to my point of um, it being a long time coming. Uh, a lot of the push for diversity of skin color only and uh, not of anything else and wokeness in um, Hollywood particularly, but also in theater, which was like my first love and what I really liked doing. Uh, that kind of pushed me out over time um, within like the last three or four years. Uh, it just felt kind of uh, defeating and uh, superficial. Uh, I, I have no problem with diversity of skin color, uh, but I don't put that above all things, particularly when there's no diversity of thought or opinion or storytelling. <laughs> and then also, I, I just this is a side thing that has nothing to do with the conversation. It's just a hard job. Like your job is auditioning, basically. And then your vacation is booking a job, <laughs> which like rarely happens, you know? And I admire people who do it, but I also just have always felt kind of called to, okay, well, at the end of the day, what did I do today? I went into a room and like tried to get people to like me. It's, it's, it takes a certain type of person. And I don't know if, if that type of person is me. And I think this last two years has really kind of solidified that. Cause I keep diverging from Hollywood even more. <laughs> 
Well, and I, speaking of Hollywood and your experience having been in that environment and in regards to a focus on diversity, like in skin color, mm-hmm. um, because, and I say that because it's interesting. A lot of people don't, uh, when I talk to people and I tell people I'm Puerto Rican, like I'm full-blooded Puerto Rican, but if you were to see me in person, I don't meet the stereotype. I have green mm-hmm. eyes and fair skin and straight hair and I'm tall And I have, and I've had people kind of tell me that even though I'm Latin, I don't meet the, the skin tone diversity requirements, should Mm -hmm. I say. In my personal opinion, sometimes when you see that there is a lack of diversity of thought, especially in the arts, everything kind of gets a little stale. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. the right word where everybody's kind of afraid to have independent thoughts. So they're just kind of like regurgitating or reforming the same story. Did you kind of see something or something trending towards that um, while you were in the art and and acting community? Like, was that something that you saw too? Yeah. And I mean, first of all, it's, it's unfortunate that, that you have been told that. uh, And I think that's, I have been, (laughs) I have been dismissed for being white passing. Yes. Yes, I am because I am white who happens to be Puerto Rican. Like right. being yeah. Latin is not a race, but that's like a whole other discussion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well, that kind of speaks to, and that doesn't even get into diversity of opinion. You might have the same opinion as everyone else, but you might have the opinion they want you to have, but like, oh, you have to look a certain way. It just, it, it speaks to the super, superficiality of it, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know, someone with a tan might be more passing than you for whatever <laughs> they want. And they could be white. like, so I don't, I don't understand any of it, but I, I did see that. And it was a lot of push for, you know, uh, we want to cast only actors of color. Um, and I, that's fine. That's everyone's right. But you start feeling like, you're not wanted or needed. Uh, and I saw a lot of the same kind of plays coming out and they would be like lauded as these new playwrights and new plays. And I, I loved every one I saw, but also it was kind of the same story over and over again. And it was so interesting to me because we were in such, I mean, now it's probably gotten crazier, but we were in such a intense time and uh, a political divide. And like, no one was writing stories about, I don't know, like, hillbilly elegy which I haven't seen yes. but I've, I've heard a lot of and I know it got pushback for this reason like what about that story you know um and so I have never seen that and to this day you know I've actually been not to push the conversation in a different direction but kind of talking about theater I've been writing letters to every theater that I've ever worked at or patronized um because every theater that I've ever worked at or patronized uh even the ones that didn't pay me is requiring shots for um performers and sometimes requiring shots for audience members um, or, you know, a negative test. So I've been writing letters to them. And it's interesting to me because they all still have their, all of them have changed their mission statements within like the last four years to being about diversity and, you know, that kind inclusion, of thing. Equity, equity, inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah. But we're seeing uh, disparity among vaccine uptake, you know? So it, it, somehow there's like a disconnect and again, it, it speaks to the superficiality of it. It's like, I'm going to put this mission statement up, but I'm going to tell a black actor, which is what I so desperately want, uh, that he can't audition because he doesn't have this medical therapeutic that he may or may not want. So it's, that's why I say that like this last two years has kind of like 
solidified and it breaks my heart because I love I love theater and I know I might never be able to I know my letters probably aren't doing anything but it's it's all I can do right now um I might never be able to even like watch a play again you know so no and I completely identify with that because I'm in I have I'm of the same belief in the sense of that you know mandating and having these type of medical requirements in order for people Mm -hmm. to participate in society Mm -hmm. is essentially going to create a separate economy a separate class like it's it's not a unifying aspect it's something that's going to create more division and in along the lines of what you just said the narrative tends to be that it's a certain group of people who do not want to participate in the mandates or get vaccinated when, and there's a complete disregard on how this disproportionately affects a lot of minority communities, specifically Black and Hispanic, which if we were to follow the logic that's usually used would mean that the policy is automatically a racist policy. But in this situation, we're not allowed to come to that conclusion. So right. I'm like, there, there's um, a little disconnect or dishonesty there. But exactly, yeah, I found that kind of interesting. And along those same lines, from watching your videos, it seemed like what pushed, like, what ultimately was it that pushed you? Because I don't want to, I don't want to speak for you or spoil the the story. Mm-hmm. What was it that eventually made you speak up about? where you were going, because I would think it had to be kind of nerve wracking considering like where you live, the profession that you're in and everything like Mm -hmm. that to go against a narrative that was pretty much set where you, where you are right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, to be clear, I think not that it was easy by any means. I, I, but I also don't feel like it was brave, Uh, but I think it was easier for me because I had been out of the industry for a little while. Um, I had I had shot like a feature film, but I had an audition for it. It was just for a friend in January of, of 2020 that we're still trying to finish to this day. Um, and that had kind of like reignited my passion for acting. And I was like, oh, I'm going to audition again. And then all of this happened. But I was not in the industry, like trying to get jobs. And so I think that's part of the reason it's been easier for me in a way, because I know a lot of people still in the industry who are really struggling um, with having to toe the line. Um, but, uh, I, I don't regret speaking up. I think what finally pushed me to do it. I remember last summer having a curfew because of riots on top of a lockdown that had already been in place for like three months. And I just knew, I don't, I mean, I didn't forget that there were riots, but I, I didn't make the connection that where you are was actually directly impacted by riots as opposed to like I'm in Tennessee like I I was aware they were happening but they weren't Mm -hmm. I mean there was a protest that happened downtown for like a weekend or something (laughs) like that but it was nothing particularly significant (laughs) no they were pretty bad here and and things it it was you know I later on we had a curfew for COVID for some reason but this was when the lockdown was still kind of fresh it was like three months old and businesses had just kind of started opening and then we were boarding up businesses again and it just struck me right then, like, this is clearly wrong. Uh, this is not helpful to me or a lot of people like me or not even like me in, in any way. And I just kept seeing it trend this way. And I used to buy, I, I guess that's why they're kind of tied up in my mind, like COVID and critical race theory, even though they're not tied at all. But they were the two things that kind of like broke the camel's back, I guess, because I used to buy into all of this 
idea of like, okay, well, white privilege and white guilt and, and that kind of thing. But when I was hurting so much last year, and again, I think my greater point is not, oh, I was hurting, but that millions of people like me were hurting um, because of this response to COVID. Then to be told, oh, I need to like do this work and read white fragility on top of like being unemployed for the first time since I was 16 years old. And I realized how just kind of like heartless it was. And again, I keep going back to this word superficial, like because I look a certain way, I'm doing fine, even though we're in the middle of this intense time and there's this pandemic going on and I can't find work or friends or anything. And so it was just those two things like merging that made me realize I have to start talking because all of my friends, everyone I knew, and I didn't really have any friends, but the people I knew from my life, all of them believed this one thing. And I just wanted them to know, like, if you like me at all, or you ever liked me, uh, just so you know, people like me think this way. <laughs> and a lot of them didn't like me, you know, that changed their opinion of me that you can like me. And then hear one thing, like I voted for this one person or whatever it and is. And then your like, whole opinion shifts. Yeah. Yeah. It's like game over. We're done. <laughs> Which is mind blowing, but a few people, it didn't. And that's all that matters to me is like a few people. And those are the people who I really value watching my content. I appreciate finding like-minded folks online. And I found a lot, um, but it's less meaningful to me because it's like, well, you already agree with me. And, and some of the times they get mad at me for not being stronger against the other side, you know? Um, so I appreciate the people who knew me before in some way and had some kind of warm feeling for me and have not allowed this to change that. Um, yeah, I think it speaks more, if anything, a lot of a lot of people have had the experience of having to make that determination of, like I myself, I have a food blog that, and I'm like the Puerto Rican food blogger for a long time. And mm -hmm. I didn't speak up and I didn't do things because within the food blogging community, the loudest voices were voices that did not agree with me. Mm -hmm. And because I had a quasi public persona on the internet, it meant like if, if I really set somebody off, everybody could just come for me because right. I'm on the internet. So it, it did, it made me nervous, but I finally, I'm grateful for the experience of starting to speak out and realizing which friendships were superficial and when, which friendships were true. Mm. Um, and, and the people who have stuck with me, I can be confident that they're true friendships and the right. people who have fallen off or called me out. Well, okay. I guess, you know, I'm not going to, um, cancel you or whatever term you want to put mm -hmm. on or block you or anything like that. But at least I know where we stand, you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. So, and then going back where you were saying, cause you were kind of like the connection of COVID and CRT, like you were mm -hmm. kind of like, I don't really, it made me think about when we were going through the beginning of the pandemic and before the pandemic, the whole CRT thing had already kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, gain speed. And then we had the pandemic. And then of course, Floyd happened, which led to the riots. Mm. And for me, what really stood out was we have a pandemic. We're being told that we have to stop working, set everything aside. You know, people are losing jobs. People are losing businesses, mm. but then we have protests and riots and those are okay. Those right. are um, I think even, was it the CDC that said something along the lines that 
like racism is a public health crisis. Yes. Thank you. It's a public health issue. So we have to like allow these things to happen. Yes. Meantime, you know, of course there's protests that are happening that they're peaceful. Some of them, not so much, which led to riots that then took out businesses that were already losing business. Right which means there's no job. So for me, that's when I was like, like I was already there, you know, like I already saw it, but I'm just like, does nobody see this? Does nobody see like this weird kind of (laughs) like dichotomy of like, uh, something's not connect, something superficial. I think that was like a per that's a perfect way to, to describe that. This whole thing is that it's all performative. It Mm -hmm. seems a lot of times. Yeah. So you worded it better than me of, of kind of how they are, they are linked. And I think we've continued to see it like the hypocrisy and double standard. And to be fair, it's probably, I never agree with riots because I think it impacts the very community that you're trying to like, you know, when you loot a target, uh, the CEO is not affected, but the people exactly. who can't go to work the next day who are very often women and people of color that affects them, you know, or the people who have to clean up the mess that you made who are very often women or people of color that affects them. So, uh, but to be fair, it's, I, I, I agree with everyone's right to protest. I just think we all should have been able to go to work. And you probably are really safe protesting because you're outside, which is something that we knew for a while but didn't really want to talk about. Like you are really safe outside. So I don't begrudge anyone protesting, although I disagree with the rioting. Um, But it shouldn't have been. And then we're not allowed to protest against lockdowns very often, uh, you know, in certain parts of the world. So it, it, it has to be, you know, it's like the Emmys, the uh, last week and then masking kids at school. I'm just advocating for, I think a lot of this is wrong, but like, where is the consistency? And that's what really just, and, and part of the reason I don't regret speaking out is, is because number one, it's authentic, but number two, things have only continued to get a little bit more intense. And so, I mean, I can't regret speaking out because we're seeing the same kind of thing, even though, thank goodness, you know, the riots have mostly stopped we're, we're seeing it continue to happen. So even though it was hard, I, I, I think it was necessary. Cause even if I just talked to one person like you, uh, it's, it's meaningful, you know? So well, a lot of times most people, or I would say there's a lot of people sometimes that are reluctant to speak out because they're afraid of backlash or losing friendships mm-hmm. or being villainized in any way. And I'm just wondering, did you have any of that experience, you know, having shared your opinions, like, you know, the typical of being personally attacked or called any certain names or losing opportunities or friendships because of that? And if you did, do you have any story to share or benefits that you would see from from having spoken out and shared your opinions? Yeah, well, I mean, to be completely honest, uh, I really was in a unique position to speak out. It sounds weird. People always say it. And, and then it's like, no, you do. But I, genuinely, I didn't have any friends. I've, I've always been kind of a loner. I was staying home before it was mandated. Now the government tells me to stay home. I'm like, oh, I want to go out. So <laughs> all it took was all this to like make me not a homebody anymore, uh, just to be contrarian. Um, no, that's not why I'm doing all of it. But uh so I, I was very lonely in my life. Um, I was very lost, like career wise. Uh, I hated the restaurant I was working at, which is not me sugarcoating saying like, oh, I'm glad that I lost the job um, because I'm not. But it was kind of like all kind of pushing me towards speaking out because I guess I didn't have a lot to lose, um, just future potential things. And I did have people message me saying, like, you're never going to be hired again. And you should really think about this. 
Um, but I kept pushing forward because it, it felt so important to me. I like, I can't live in this world. I can't live in the world in California right now, or at least Los Angeles as we're dealing with COVID. Uh, and I won't, whether they're my own children or they're not, I won't live in a world where children are taught to be racist. Um, so that's what kept pushing me forward. And I hate to sound sort of dramatic about it, but I guess we, I am an actor. <laughs> I feel more purpose for the first time in my life than ever before. And I don't mean that to say like, oh, I'm going to make money on Rumble or become a public figure, a uh, conservative public figure or anything like that. But I feel purpose in doing this and in speaking out and in fighting this fight, um, particularly as it relates to shot mandates. And I feel more at peace and content than ever before. And in fact, I actually have met people in person uh, from the videos that I've made. And I've, for the first time in my life, I always said, oh, I'll go to a meetup and I'll meet people in LA. And I never, ever did it. And now I go to conservative meetups. You don't have to be conservative, but very often they're open-minded. <laughs> and I have met people and I have done all the things that I said I always wanted to do. And I don't know why it took all of this for me to do it. And I'm, it doesn't mean I'm happy that it happened, but without this, I would probably still be working at the same restaurant because I was too afraid to quit. I wouldn't be speaking out. I would still be very lost probably in my career and in what I want to do and not really happy in Los Angeles. And I would still be saying like, oh yeah, some night I'll go out to a meetup, you know? So for me personally, it's been um, challenging, but also I'm, I, I hate, I don't, I don't hate the word happy, but I think it's sort of like, what does that mean? But I am more content and more at peace than, than I've ever been. It's interesting that you, you say that because I, you know, not only is it part of speaking up, but I, I would say, I mean, is it, is it fair to say that COVID was also a catalyst to all of this and the lockdowns? Mm -hmm. And I was just speaking with, um, a friend of mine recently, and she also, had like a big shift and change in, and not politically, but just like in life choice due to having to sit quiet and be by yourself during the pandemic. Yes. And I, and I address that because a lot of times for me personally, I try to make sure that I have a mentality of victor over victim, you mm -hmm. know, so we can have, you know, we can look at this pandemic and be like, this is taken away from me. I'm not able to do this. I can't, you know, it's all about like what's being done to you as opposed mm -hmm. to trying to find a way to take control of what you can control and be proactive and do something purposeful with that. Right. So is that something that, is that a mindset that you've always had or is that something that you feel recently developed just because of like the situations that we've been confronted with and been like forced to have to deal with? Right. I like the way you, what the way that you put it. And I, I appreciate that. Cause I'm always very conscious of not wanting to sugarcoat. Like I said, like, Oh, it was a good thing. Cause I learned to knit or whatever, you know, cause people lost their jobs. They lost their lives too. You know, it was, it was very, it is very serious for everyone. So, but I appreciate looking at it as like victor over, over victim. And I think it speaks to, you know, kind of what my larger point is, which is that nothing is black and white. Um, I hate a lot of what has happened and continues to happen. And also some good came out of it for me. And, and I can recognize that it doesn't mean I want it to continue, or I'm going to thank somebody for it other than God, uh, who 
I believe does have a purpose, but for me, but uh, yeah, you can recognize the good and the bad. And I, to answer your question, um, I think I've always tried to have that mentality, but I will say, and I think this leads into that feeling of peace that I just spoke about. Um, I will say that I, I wish I had found kind of conservative values sooner in life. And I think that victor over victim um, tends to be one of them. I, when I say conservative values, I don't necessarily mean like, I wish I had voted conservative or politically speaking. Um, but I wish that I had discovered that because I think it would have saved me a lot of um, unnecessary pain that I inflicted on myself. So I have recently leaned into that and um, it has been obviously helpful um, in combating a lot of the pity that you can feel and the despair, uh, even about other people's circumstances, not just my own. It feels very overwhelming. Um, but I am happy with where I am right now. So, so you share a lot of hot topics on your Instagram and on your, I believe you have a YouTube, but you also have rumble. Yeah. Now, did you have YouTube first? I had YouTube first and YouTube took down one of my videos, which okay, is absurd. See, was- <laughs> I have like 30 followers. <laughs> that was going to be my question because you're, I mean, you're pretty honest with your opinions and, mm-hmm. and now, and I will also say that watching your content, not only are you honest, but you do make an effort to research and source. Mm-hmm. And if you are sharing commentary, you're honest at the beginning, you're like, look, this is just my opinion. I'm mm-hmm. just like sharing my thoughts. Yeah. So because of the hot topic issue that you tend to discuss a lot, uh-huh. which I know we're all kind of exasperated having to like talk about vaccines, mandates, COVID and everything like yes. that. But that's just like what seems to be ruling us right now. Yes. <laughs> um, I was just wondering if you had ent- encountered any censorship along those lines. So they, so YouTube took down one of your videos. Yeah, like oh, immediately. I I think it was one um, where I was quoting a doctor from a MedPage article, and he said, and he's very pro-vaccine. He said, "Think." I think the title of the article was "Think Twice Before Giving Healthy Kids the Shot," and that was the title of my video because I referenced the article in there. Um, and they took it down. I'm pretty sure that was the one. And all it was saying was like, maybe they don't need two doses. Maybe they don't need it at all. Um, and now of course we're seeing, you know, a lot more talk about myocarditis and that kind of thing in, in young boys. And, uh, I also had, this could be unrelated, but so there's no recourse at YouTube. And I thought it was absurd that they were taking it down. I know there are guidelines and I understand I have to abide by them, but I'm also have 30 followers. <laughs> so I don't know. Do they just like hit the little guys first? Cause I know there's a lot that's being said on YouTube. That's allowed up. Um, but I also had my Facebook account of 10 years be uh, deleted. Oh, I did. Wow. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yes. And it, it's obviously it's not a big deal. They, I got an email at two o'clock in the morning when I was asleep that someone had tried to log on from Gainesville, Florida, a place I have never been, nor has my electronics ever been there. And they sent like that thing of here's your one-time passcode. If it's you, that email was unopened. I had not used that passcode and still this person in Florida was able to get in. And it was only scary because for a while, I didn't know if they had posted anything on my account. Cause I wasn't, I couldn't see it. Um, and I had like private messages in there from when I was very young, obviously. So it was 
kind of like a jolt in that sense of like, wow, uh, this can happen. Um, and then it was just deleted and uh, there was no recourse at Facebook and it's fine, but I lost photos and that kind of thing that I should have backed up. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's like, no, you can't talk to anybody about yeah, this. There's no like recourse. There's yeah. no like, you know, review board or anything like that that you can which I'm sure is in the fine print when I sign up for an account and that's fine and I'm grateful for rumble honestly because I don't know I have way more uh not way more I have like 100 as opposed to 30 but I get more interaction on there people seem more interested in what I'm saying and And I'm not worried that you're gonna get taken down (laughs) right and that's that's a relief because I don't think I'm saying anything crazy I've never offered medical advice I simply uh, as far as this COVID thing goes, if someone would just answer my questions, which are genuinely felt and asked questions, I would honestly like consider taking it. I would feel so much, but all I want is like someone to answer my questions, you know, and Nicki Minaj was offered a phone call. I want a phone call too, but like a real phone call, you know, from the white house where we just talk. I think the American people deserve that. So I, I think it's just absurd to take down Well, and I think what is unsettling is the fact that you can't ask questions. That's what's unsettling. It's like, not only, you know, you can't, you just can't even ask questions because posing a question apparently is dangerous because you're opening the door to a perception of misinformation or whatever, which Which pushes people towards not, I know so many people, I've always been a little bit like into holistic and alternative, and I was probably never going to get this for a while, but I know so many people who said I was going to, and I'm not going to now. It's like, they are taking the playbook of how to turn people off and just following it and I don't think that they realize the disservice they're doing towards because I'm not an anti-vaxxer yeah the disservice they're doing towards vaccines and then science and medicine in general because people just want to be able to have these conversations how is like like I joke with my friends that are in because I'm in Tennessee so I'll joke that I'm in a free state and then there's states that are behind an iron curtain (laughs) Um, like teasing I have a girlfriend in New York and we joke about that all the time So how is it now you you're in California, you're in Mm. LA, which is even a little bit more restrictive than like if Mm. you're in Orange County. Yes. And you guys just finished with the recall. So decided to hold on to Mr. (laughs) Newsome. (laughs) Yes. We're masochists. You've always been in California. You're, Mm -hmm. you grew up born in California. Yes. Have you seen it progress? Have you seen the change? Because I haven't been to LA in, I don't know, maybe two years. Cause I used to travel out to California quite a bit for work. Have you seen the change happen since you've been living there? And is it really what is what we see from the outside? Like, is it really the homelessness, the living situation and mm-hmm. everything like that? Well, that was the first thing I was going to say. I know everyone jumps to it, but the ho- honestly, the homelessness thing is, is out of control. Um, and I, again, it's, it's a nuanced situation. I feel a lot of compassion for, um, people. Uh, like I said, my family has struggled. Um, we were in uncertain living situations at times. So I understand how not affordable it is in California. Um, but I also understand that as a tax paying law abiding citizen, uh, it is unacceptable what's going on. A, la- a couple of months ago, I was chased for several blocks by a troubled I assume homeless woman. Um, and I ended up having to call the police who did not arrive. 
Uh, I, I assume they were busy, but it's, it's a mess. It's, and I was just walking down the street, you know? So, um, and you oftentimes can't even walk on the sidewalk. So that is a huge thing. And I don't, I'm not saying a lot of it is people who lost their jobs because of COVID, the response to COVID, excuse me, um, because very often they seem like they are troubled or maybe on something. They've been there for a while. That it's a mental health issue or something. Yeah. Yes. But certainly our response to COVID in this state, particularly in this city, it didn't help at all, you know? So <laughs> it didn't help a, an already bad situation. And it, it really is, I'm continued to be blown away by it. And so I think for people who would be visiting for the first time in two years, uh, you would be shocked. Those videos are not just like, I'm going to film this one snippet of LA. Those videos where you see them driving by the tents. I mean, that's, that's almost everywhere in LA. So, and I always like, I want, I like to ask that because, you know, all media in one, depending on what side it is, has its bias. So I'm always kind of weary and aware that I'm watching or reading certain news sources through their bias, mostly because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you are. They all have some sort of bias. And so I always kind of, I wanted to ask you that question because I wanted to be like someone who's actually there, who's lived there, they're pretty much their whole life. Right. Like, is this really what's going on over there? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. And just to kind of wrap things up, the last thing I wanted to see is, is anyone who's listening to this, and they're on the fence about speaking up and expressing their opinions. What would you say is the one thing that, that you would recommend or say to them that drives you, uh, that helped you set that mindset of victor instead of victim and made you finally be like, this is what I'm seeing happening. This is why we need to speak up. I think it's incumbent upon all of us to leave a better world for children, whether they're our own or not. I mean, that's the hope of everybody is that you have a better life than your parents or your parents' generation. And I don't think that's what we're offering to children right now for possibly the first time in modern human history, honestly, Um, because we've just continued to advance and people live longer and live happier and live healthier, but not right now and not with the things that we're doing to kids even beyond just masking them in school. Um, And I, if you are, I mean, I'm not trying to make anyone question, but if you are upset with anything that's going on, or it's damaging you, or you're questioning, um, this will not change until we speak up. And I never want to judge anybody for it because I don't have kids and I don't have like this career that I needed to hold on to. So we're all in different situations. And at the same time, if we all just sit back and say, well, I can't because of this, it's just easier to comply with whatever it is, then this, I think we're seeing is never, ever going to change. And we have, you know, the power uh, there's power in numbers, there's power in the people. And, uh, it's important to know that you're not alone. And I'm just so grateful for people, even they don't 100% agree with me who, who are speaking up with me because this is hard. You know, I, I'm scared a lot of the times, but we need more people in all areas of life, uh, is of all capacities of all skills to, to start speaking up. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think when we start to be more open about where we stand, I look, I don't need people to agree with me 100%. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I almost prefer that they don't because it Mm -hmm. makes for more interesting conversation. Right. 
And as long as we can come to an agreement that we at least share and have a consensus on certain values, Mm -hmm. how we get there is what can be determined or debated. But at least I know they're, they're not holding values that are going to lead like to the destruction or to the fall of our society or country and the experiment that is the United States, you know, and that's kind of like, you know, so I don't care. You don't have to agree with me. Just, you know, don't come from my freedom. And, Mm -hmm. and we, you know, we, we can be cool. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, exactly. I won't, I, I disagree with a lot of people and I still I'm fine with working alongside them and being their neighbor and talking to them, but there seems to be, I know this is true on both sides, but there seems to be one side right now that very large, it's like, oh, I can't work next to you because you don't have this or whatever. You can't live next to me. You can't live in this apartment building we're seeing. You can't have this job. It's just like you have, we talk about challenging people's right to exist I think we're doing that towards an entire half of the country right now um and I do think that there are people who are whatever your business is they're willing to support you I mean I just feel so strongly for people who are open-minded like I want to spend all my money at their businesses I've gotten more intentional about that I don't even know anything about Nicki Minaj but I'm like she's an American hero right now like I'm just so grateful for her and it's absurd because all she's doing is asking a question and talking and that shouldn't make you like a hero but I feel like this deep level of love for Nicki Minaj because we're just so grateful and I want to spend my money I want to go support you and so I think you will be surprised to find that like if you're an entrepreneur, whatever it is, you will have people like I'll go to a place just because they're not following certain things. And so, and that's in LA County, you know, and they seem to be doing okay. So I think we'd be surprised. And she said it in an Instagram live recently. She said 80% of the artists you follow, I'm sure that's not an actual statistic, (laughs) are questioning the vaccine. And this doesn't just have to do with COVID, you know, Um, but they're just too afraid to say anything. So I think we'd all be surprised at maybe not who is a conservative or a Republican, but who is questioning things COVID and beyond and who will come out of the word work to support us either privately or publicly. And I think often, you know, it's important to do it publicly if you can, but I understand not everyone can. Yeah, not so. everybody has that luxury. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because I think one of the things that is this whole thing is being pegged as if you're for it, you're in this party. And if you're not for it, you're in this party. <laughs> yes, Um, and, and that's just not the case. Mm -mm. Like I, there is an array of people of different parties and different opinions that see that have concerns and then also see the downfalls (laughs) that could result from requiring these mandates. Yeah. It's complicated. And that's what I hated about their, the other, the other sides. That's what I hated about the anti-recall movement is it was never about like, what has Newsom done well? What it, will he continue to offer us? It was always Republican, anti-vaxxer, Trumper, that kind of yeah, thing. Bad, villainizing yes. And we have to other. know what we're standing for, not what we're standing against. Because very often what we're standing against is like our perception of it. And it's not even real. And I think we're seeing on a mass scale right now, uh, nationally, what happens when you vote against something as opposed, as opposed to voting for something. So like, we have to be aware of what we stand for. And I think- that is part of speaking up so that we're not just always like against something because it's not helpful to us locally or nationally. Well, I thank you so much for taking this time to hang out with me and have this conversation. Where can, uh, if anybody wants to follow you, watch your videos, follow Mm -hmm. your story, where can they find you? 
Um, on Instagram, which is where I'm most often, it's Natalie Jean Beisner. Um, I don't know if, I guess maybe that'll be linked somewhere. Or my yeah, name's I'll put the I will spell it all out is what I'm saying. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> and then Natalie Beisner on Rumble. And then um, I, before I did all of this, I was a creative writer and I have a blog for that called uh, thisisnotalie.com. So if you're not into politics, but you're into writing, um, you can find me there too. I've been a little less active recently on all of that, um, but uh I hope to get back into it again soon. So thank you for having me. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, this was fun. Always up for good conversation. And yeah. um, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to It's Mercedes on its conversations for freedom-minded women. You can find the show notes for this episode at Libertas Sisters forward slash It's Mercedes. And if you would like to have conversations like this with other freedom-minded women, visit my website, libertasisters.com, an online community of women founded on the values of femininity, self-reliance, and freedom. You can also connect with me on Instagram at It's Mercedes or join my email list. And if you're loving the podcast, I would be so honored if you would go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Until next time, stay free and stay honest.